Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. My name is Eric Hulkern, and on today's episode, we are joined by Lindsay Moore. And we're gonna be talking about the housing market and millennials, and can they really get that dream home? So the housing market is absolutely insane, and this week, Lindsay Moore dove into it to find out what millennials are doing to try and navigate through what is one of, if not the, craziest housing markets in the history of this country. My co-host, as always, Vice President of Content from MLive, John Heiner. John, how are you today? I am well, Eric. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you for asking. Awesome spring in Michigan so far. I'm enjoying it very much. And we get some snow here at some point this week, which is exciting. Like I said, it's spring in Michigan. (laughs) Hey, anyways, it's it's great to be back on another episode of Behind the Headlines. One of the things I want to say is we've had, with the surge of coronavirus in Michigan, some amazing journalism going on on our team. And we kind of have to follow the stories. So we don't get to pick uh, when news breaks. And so, so we've done some, some really good work in the past few weeks, which I encourage people to check out. But one thing about the phenomenon of covering a big story like that is some other stories sometimes that are really uh, solid and interesting stories get lost in the mix. And I think we had an example of a couple of those in the past week. And one I really want to focus on today was was a great story by our statewide reporter, Lindsay Moore, who joins us today. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning. On the housing market in Michigan and uh, how it's you know, it's, it's a hot market right now, but in some ways it's disproportionately affecting people trying to get into the market for the first time and, and age groups like millennials who are starting families and uh, want their piece of the American dream. And, uh, you know, as the, the band, the who said, you can't have it <laughs> unless you got a lot of money. And, uh, and anybody who listens to behind the headlines, know I, I always hijack um, these these podcasts with some personal stories of mine, but um, anyone who who uh, could see video of this conversation would see that I am not a millennial. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a boomer. But last July, it was in a situation coming off with the COVID lockdown where I wanted to sell my house, and when we went to list it, the the restrictions were just being lifted for people to come out and and you know, tour through homes again and stuff like that. I lived in a subdivision of 150 homes and it turns out we were the only house for sale. Typically there's, you know, half a dozen homes for sale, but we were the only one. And the realtor encouraged us to list it for a number that was a lot higher than I, I thought it was kind of a joke. Um, I wouldn't have asked about 30,000, $40,000 more than I thought we'd get. And we listed it on a Friday evening at six. We had four people signed up by seven to go through it. The next morning at 10, a young couple went through who had already been rejected on a, uh, a couple houses they were trying to get in the Ann Arbor area. And within an hour, they offered 11000 more than we were asking, which I thought was kind of ridiculous anyways. And I, I was flabbergasted, frankly. We ended up selling it for 60% more than we bought it for, and we'd only had it eight years. So I thought maybe it was a reaction to just people, you know, with COVID restrictions lifting. But uh, very interesting story. This, the posted this week by Lindsay that went into the deeper phenomenon, the, you know, the market conditions and what's happening. And so I want to welcome Win, Lindsay to the conversation this morning and, and walk us through. Um, how did this story, Lindsay, come onto your threshold? How did you how did you get onto this story and what were some of the things that surprised you about it? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of good stories come from what you're talking about in your own life. So full disclosure to our listeners, I am a millennial. Um, And so every one of my peers and even my sister, who it's funny, we're on two ends of the millennial spectrum. I'm 25 and she just turned 33. And so we're both have peers that are looking for houses and everybody is just complaining about it's just just breakneck pace that you can't get to it fast enough. Um, or you're, like you just said, you're asking way more, you're or it's paying way more above asking price. Um, and so I just kept hearing, honestly, friends complain about it enough that it was worth digging into. And turns out their complaints are completely warranted and the data backs that up that there's a lot less houses on the market. And so then sellers get to kind of name their price and then go beyond it. If you want to be first in line, then you're kind of willing to go cash in hand or wave appraisals, wave inspections, which feels kind of bonkers. Bonkers, especially for first-time buyers where you're like, well, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for me to put down that I've never put down before. I had a lot of millennials that I interviewed that were a little shaky about that type of commitment right off the bat. Well, there's a saying we have in journalism uh, when a story has surprising developments in it. They call them gold coins or Easter eggs that you, mm-hmm. as, you're going, as you're going through the story and you're like, wow, wow. And I got to tell you, that happened like eight times <laughs> in, in your story. Some of it was factual, like data, like that the housing market is the, the best for sellers right now than it's been in 40 years, you mm-hmm. know, um, or that the average home price, the median home price, which is just the middle in America right now is $370,000. She's just stag. It seems like a staggering number when you think of, you know, homes out in the middle of Kansas Prairie or something. But right. I mean, it's the whole country and that, you know, sales or the price is up almost 16% from last year alone and that, that there's no sign of abating. But perhaps the thing that got me the most was the poor guy who said he's getting tired of writing cutesy mm-hmm. letters. What? What is going on in the sales environment? What you're you're living it. So so what is it like? What is first of all? What's the cutesy letter all about? And, so. and- and, and why are people subjected to this? I was also surprised by the cutesy letter. Uh, yeah, I am a, a renter right now. And even doing the story, I kept getting pushed to like, you should really buy right now. Like the interest rates are so low. Like I felt even in my interviews with real estate agents that I was going to end up with a house by the end of the phone call because people are just so competitive about it. But yeah, and talking with him in particular, essentially, yeah, they're just kind of, it, it really reminded me of like a job interview where you're putting it all on the line. You're begging them for this house, you're telling them why you want it. And just these offer letters, you have to put a little personality in it because you know you have three people behind you that are offering the same thing. Um, And so it did feel like an emotional ride then for him where he was like, I can't keep being outbid five, six, set, like how many more times am I going to do this and keep falling in love with a house and a vision. Um, And he was a millennial I talked to too that is currently living with parents. So really this first house is going to be, you know, his first milestone, you know, it's even more than just your first apartment or anything like that. And so you're really putting so much effort into, and then being denied and denied and denied. Well, one of the things too, uh, is that idea that even if the house doesn't appraise for what they're asking, people are ponying up the money and just covering the difference to, they just want to get in the house so bad. Uh, so what are the conditions that are causing this, um, Lindsay? 
Sure. Yeah. And so you kind of hit on it that COVID for sure has an impact and we're kind of seeing those ripple effects that, you know, real estate took a pause, construction took a pause. And then also like the, again, that emotional part of it that think about where we were this time last year in April that do I want to make a huge life decision right now? Right. Or do I have the money to be making a big life decision when so much was unknown during this time last year? Um, And then also just do I want to have, if I'm a seller, do I want to have people in my house right now? No. So really it is a little bit of a bottleneck and a ripple effect from the pandemic. Um, But just in general, then too, I'd mentioned like those interest rates, those hitting a record low, it just kind of really drove people to say, well, maybe I'll go for it. Maybe I have been renting or maybe I'll finally get out of my parents' house because I can get a really good interest rate. So it's kind of a lot of factors building on each other. Plus, because we're talking about millennials, millennials are aging into this milestone age. You know, millennials are between 24 and 39, which is when you're going to buy a house. And they make up 37% of home buyers right now. And they're just going to keep growing as millennials age into these milestones. So, right. well, one thing that doesn't change over the generations is the law of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And it, your story talks about the fact that the inventory is down 50% from a typical market. So that's the uh, dry straw. And then the fuel on the fire is you see interest rates that dip below 3%, which is kind of insane. Um, I'm of the age that I remember double digit percentage rates from mortgages back when you know we were in recessions and things like that. And then I, I also wonder a little bit, and you, you're the generation that grew up with you know apps and phones in your hands and stuff. It's all the marketing I'm seeing right now for you know Rocket Mortgage and other companies that basically say apply and get approved on your phone, you know, almost just like downloading an app, boom, you got a mortgage and or pre-approval. I just wonder if all of those conditions are kind of conspiring at the same time to to create this this phenomenon that you've written about. Sure. Yeah. And even I would in the thread of like Internet age, uh, everyone I talked to said that they even before they got the real estate agent, they looked themselves on Zillow. And so people can do that on a lunch break where you're scrolling, scrolling. And so it is kind of it's very immediate. And so then it's immediately taken away from you as well. I heard so many comments that I fell in love with a house on my lunch break. And then when I got out of work, it was gone. Um, And so it's different from, you know, if you picked a day of the week and you went into a bunch of different showings and, you know, drove around your different favorite neighborhoods now you can just expand the map and see okay if i want to be 10 miles from work 15 20 what what do do i have all these options are right at my fingertips too right and the the one thing that the internet phones and apps do so well is filtering and Mm -hmm. mapping and people can go out on uh a Sunday afternoon. I mean, they can hit 12 open houses if they want and they can map it all. And it's, it's a little bit different than it was 20 years ago. One other aspect of your story that the word auction was in there, that how you treat these like auctions now, you know, and that this, this competitive bidding and the sense of stress around it, you know, what are you hearing from the people you spoke to for your article about what this feels like personally to them? Because I think it it comes through in the story as well. Yeah, yeah, that was, like I had mentioned that it feels 
like a lot of pressure and it felt like especially for new home buyers that they were like can i sleep on this you know this is one of the biggest decisions of my life and the answer is no and the real estate agents advise them no don't sleep on it if you're gonna do it put down an offer and put down asking price which was another disappointment that's kind of that auction mentality that a lot of them had this idea in their head that it was going to be a bidding war and that's some negotiation you know it's going to be like car buying where you're kind of going back and forth and playing that game and it's just not and instead it's you know not only can you have the the asking price but what are you willing to do further um you know are you going to have are you going to pay for your own inspection are you going to waive inspection are you going to waive the appraisal like you had mentioned um i talked to someone that was selling a house and she was shocked they even didn't negotiate on possession time that they just said yep whenever you want to move out we'll take it as soon as you're ready um stuff like that that usually usually is bargaining tools is not happening it's just you know who can get to the front of the line the quickest well when you make a list of things that are stressful and unenjoyable for people our buying usually is up up in the top five you know that that high pressure feeling that you have like where the manager comes out and says you know this offer is only good for the next 20 minutes or you know that whole feeling of if i walk away am i missing out on something and now you multiply that by the cost by 10 times <laughs> it's a pretty big pretty big life decision so the one thing though that you know just a note um generally real estate's going to appreciate and cars depreciate so i mean you at least if you overpay at least sometimes you get you get your investment back sure yeah no definitely but yeah talk about just that stress of it and just and for it to be so long too i mean i had written about how these houses are going so much quickly and so much quicker and even the national rate i just looked up today was like 54 days on market which is already crazy and then mission is 44 and in my story too i looked at specifically just the month of february and it was like 85 percent of houses listed then were had a pending sale that same month and so you're on just kind of this long journey like everyone I spoke to had been looking for houses for five or six months before they got one or were still looking um, just because of how competitive this is so to do that process to do that high pressure emotional process of writing the cutesy letter and what can I afford and how much can I you know expand the budget and then doing it again and doing it again and do it again for six months you're listening to behind the headlines and M live podcast Today, our guest is Lindsay Moore, a statewide reporter on MLive's reporting team. And we're, we're talking about the home buying phenomenon during the COVID era. And um, it's it's very crazy um, on both ends. The buyers, it's, it's a great market. Uh, excuse me, it's for sellers. It's a great market to be in. It's a great situation to be in. A little stressful for buyers, especially millennial buyers who also have to deal in many ways, uh, especially if they have young families, is the availability of capital to buy the kind of house that they want, you know, when things are overpriced. So, um, you know, another personal anecdote is when, you know, the other flip side, our house was on the only market for like three weeks, and that's only because inspections and they had to go get their financing and all that. But um, I had to find a place to live. (laughs) And so I, I was sort of in the same situation where I drew a circle on a map you know, where I want to live in relation to where we work. And um, although now where we work is where we live, but anyways, um, that aside, I would go into some of these homes and I was just flabbergasted 
by the condition of the home or what was what you were getting for what you were paying. And um, I, I, I feel like I got a little bit lucky because I actually talked the person down that I bought their house by about 20,000, but that's because they were trying to set a record uh, price for their, for their subdivision. <laughs> and so um, it, it just, it was a little bit crazy though. They, they, they shot for the moon, you know, but um, it, the, I spent probably three months just myself and I really wasn't in that big of a hurry because I was in a rental, but if someone's living with their parents or they have to move, which was the situation, the family that bought the house I sold was from Wisconsin and he had a job at U of M and he needed a place to live. And you're, the, you know, the other side of this I wanted to explore, it's not in your article, but I've, I've heard it from a lot of people, is it's no bargain to rent right now either. Mm-hmm. That rents can be very, very expensive as well. And if you sign a one-year lease, you're kind of locking yourself out of the housing market. So I can understand why there, there might be a sense of desperation on the part of some buyers. Eric, you, you, live, you live over in uh, the west side of the state by Grand Rapids. What's the situation over there? Uh, it's bananas. Um, there was a house two doors down from us that actually sold to a millennial, but they had 14 cash offers over asking. <laughs> and, and to Lindsay's point, the, you know, the people that are staying there got 120 days before they have to leave. So they got wow. they got over asking in 120 days to just kind of hang out and walk out whenever they feel like it. Wow, that that's insane. You know, it, it feels like LeBron James coming up for free agency, and you can you know you can pick his teammates. I mean, yes, except for like, and Lindsay, I would love your perspective on this. Is I keep looking at this market and going, okay, so if a house was worth 150 thousand dollars in a normal market and sells for 325. That monopoly money from 150 to 325, when does that come home to roost? <laughs> right. No, and it, it's a question that I was asking too, because then it also, there's always this fear too, after we already saw the housing bubble of like, how long can we sustain this, right? And I wish I had a more confident answer because we are kind of just riding this crazy train right now. Um, I mean, we are going to see, I was looking at, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with like Ramsey Solutions, but they were doing a, an analysis and and based on some data that, you know, growth rates will slow down. We're looking at 8% this year and then 5.5 next year. So we won't be this crazy forever, but for this foreseeable year, yes, definitely. And and especially speaking of like renting, so I, I rent as well. And at this point, I probably could get a mortgage for what my rent is. But like you said, I feel that I have kind of locked myself out of it for the time being. And I live downtown Kalamazoo and but what I, and I've looked at it, but what would the house be that would be worth trading at this point is kind of what I'm stuck in. And very much to your point, Eric, of like, do I have the money to go whole hog and do it now and then hope that that pays off? And do I want to be in the spot long enough to make sure that it pays off? Um, so there's a lot of that. And there's a lot I saw in the data, too, in terms of like what houses are actually worth that more millennials specifically are, are taking the risk and doing fixer uppers or doing, you know, houses they wouldn't normally buy just because they feel pinched enough to go for it. Um, there's been more and more data collected on that of uh, people not just waiting for the ready to move in anymore. Yeah, there, there's a phrase called house poor. And mm-hmm. if, if you spend your total max on the abode itself, and then you're kind of stuck a little bit with any improvements you might need to make, you find out you need a roof project or something like that. 
And uh, the other phenomenon is FOMO or fear of missing out. And people like you watch, for instance, the stock market, whenever the stock market goes up, people are kicking themselves because oh, I didn't, you know, take all my last shekel and put it into the stock market. You know, it's the risk you talk about is real. Um, people have short memories, I guess, because 2008 and nine, there was carnage, you know, across the country with subprime loans and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if the subprime um, situation, that kind of overlending is going on, but, um, you know, the guarantee, there's no guarantee. It, it, it's an asset and there's no guarantee that the price will, will sustain or you'll be able to get more than you asked. Although typically like the stock market over time, real estate has been a pretty good investment. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news, John, is that you can still get into GameStop if you want to get that stock. <laughs> so, there's still time. How do you know I haven't already? My whole 401k is in there, buddy. Solid plan. Now, what you should do is take, take that 401k and now turn it into NFTs and you'll be fine. Just do that. I'm going to buy a Banksy and we'll set it on fire. And you know, <laughs> But anyways, we're going. Lindsay, as you know, since you've been on here, at any given point on this podcast, we can go down a dark alley. It's just, <laughs> someone's got to pull us back. We, sh- we should have renamed it at one point Veer Left because that's what will happen at some, <laughs> at some point. But just, we're going left. But Lindsay, to John's point, what a lot of people who haven't gone into this market don't understand is that the bank will mortgage you for what the house appraises for. That over and above, you've got to find. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, to John's point, that's how you get house poor is that you've dipped into savings that you weren't intending on putting towards a house and you've got to do it in cash because the mortgage won't cover it. You know, what do you think that will look like? Let's say, like you said, when it goes from 8% to 5%, what does that look like next year, the year after, the year after that? Yeah, I think that part. So it is forecasted that, you know, we will be in this seller's market for a while, like I mentioned. And I do think that we're going to see more people. We already are, especially millennials, borrowing from family members and and doing that type of trying to find this money other ways, because I don't think people are going to want to stop buying houses. Right. But we also just won't have houses to sell. Like We're going to keep being in this cycle over and over. Um, And to answer your again, I wish I had a better answer of what does that mean for house value? And I think that that I'll leave that to the experts. I don't want to, I don't want to talk out of turn on that one. I don't want to be wrong and <laughs> advise someone otherwise, because this has been a really crazy ride for me to even learn about this housing market. And, and maybe that'll be the next story then of what, what's the value going to be next year? Well, interestingly, to touch on something you said, when we, the couple that bought our house shows up Saturday morning and they have both sets of in-laws. Mm-hmm. And they go through the house and they, you know, they, they make the offer that day. Uh, they, they, they offer way over what we asked. And then they you got appraised and it didn't appraise for what they offered. And they were like, well, we'll just we'll just pay you what it appraised for. And I was like, mm, I don't think so, because, you know, there's a lot of interest. We already have a lot of interest in the house. So they went back to those the parents and in-laws and they, they gave them the money to, to bridge what we needed to complete the sale. So. Um, that was that fell under the classification of not my problem um, <laughs> I hate to be like a monopoly board player or something. But I knew what the market was like. And I've since heard in the same subdivision that homes now have gone up even higher. You know, um, that people are setting new records. They're, they're, they were kind of raising the bar, but that's the market. So uh, I thought we'd end today, Lindsay. And I, I know you've put together some ideas on this, which I appreciate. But if you could for the listeners who are in the market. Uh, who maybe are venturing in and getting some sticker shock and other kinds of shock with the process. Why don't you offer some tips 
from your reporting on the story that might help help some of our listeners? Sure. Yeah. And so I asked, especially the ones that actually had a house when I was interviewing them, I was like, okay, you're the success story, right? How did you do this essentially? And it's not novel ideas. Um, I did find that a lot of them ended up with real estate agents. We mentioned that a lot of folks start out on Zillow and they were just, they just could not get the house quick enough without that help. They needed that real estate agents database. Um, and also just the, we had mentioned too, of looking outside of your immediate range of what you would want to be just being flexible both uh, in location and also a lot of people talked about immediately expanding their budget and knowing that what they started their budget with was not going to be what it ended up with and kind of that mental hurdle of knowing I'm going to end up spending more let's start a baseline but be flexible Um, and same with location where I just have to look out and look out and look out Um, and you had made a good point as well John that now we work where we live so more people are you know we're seeing mass exodus in cities bigger than ours like New York or Chicago but that's happening even in some Michigan cities as well Well, people will kind of reach out then I don't need to be downtown Detroit unless I want to be downtown Detroit you know I don't need to be where I'm working Um, so that flexibility and then the number one piece of advice I kept hearing was just stick it out and keep doing it Um, people did offer some mental health breaks I had quite a few people tell me that they took pauses after being heartbroken a number of times and being burned two or three times, but otherwise it does come together eventually was the reoccurring method I kept getting was, you know, you just got to stick it out and wait for something to land. The last, I'll tell you the last story. When I was a millennial and um, I was married, we didn't have kids yet. My, my wife at the time had gone back. She was a non-traditional student. She was in her young 20s to finish her degree at U of M. And she gets out of U of M and we said, we were living in a rental in Ann Arbor. We said, we're going to buy a house in Ann Arbor. Da, 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 da. You know, and we, <laughs> we'd go into these homes that were basically falling down and they'd want, you know, 350 or so. We we're like, this is, this is in the late 80s, early 90s. We were just like, uh-oh. So let's start going out in concentric circles until we can afford something. Yeah, we ended up in a town called Napoleon, Michigan, which <laughs> is like 40 miles away. And it's it's a little, you know, it's a little country farm town, you know, and that, that's where we got our start. And I think a lot of millennials or younger people can take the same journey. And, you know, you do it over time, you build equity and you can work your way up. But I, I also think people, there's more money out there now. There's more available cash from lenders. The lenders are a little more liberal than they were then. And people are setting their sights a little bit higher. So uh, very, very, very interesting and a great story. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And of course, we'll link to the story in the, in the podcast notes and uh, my column this week. Um, and the last thing I just want to say to you, um, c- congratulations that you're young and the millennials are going to take over the world. And um, I'm happy for you. Good luck searching. But at some point, you'll reach my age when you're happy you're not mowing a lawn. <laughs> you're not, you don't have a leak in the basement <laughs> and all those things. So uh, enjoy your journey um, and, and good luck with your house search. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll need it. And there they go. Big thanks to Lindsay Moore. As always, if you want to read the article she wrote, you can get to it in the show notes. And if you like what John and I are doing, like, review, share wherever you get your podcast till next week he is john heiner i am eric hulkerin and this is behind the headlines